You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Zarita. And thank you, everyone, for joining us online tonight. We are so thankful that you're here with us. We wish you were here together in the house. But um, thank God that we're able to do this. We're set up and ready to do this. We pray you are safe. If there are any needs that you have, let us know. You can text us here at the church office at um, uh, the number on the website there, or uh, call us, feel free if you have our number, just let us know. But we're praying for you during this time. Tonight, we are going to continue and uh, finish our series on media. So our series that we have been in is Sheep Among Wolves Navigating Media. And if you're a guest with us, we're so glad to have you. If you are uh, just joining us and you've missed the last few weeks uh, or you missed the first part of this series, I invite you to go back at a later time and you can pick up. uh, But we'll, we'll touch on just a couple things. You can go back and catch the other parts. But we want to talk to you from uh, our hearts tonight and the word of the Lord. And we're just going to look at a very, very important topic and a very serious topic. So let me first start by saying thank you to the team that is here tonight uh, helping me. Uh, Brother Philip, Brother Kendall, Sister Caitlin, Brother Zarita as well. And uh, it's good to have Brother Kendall Weeks here with us um, evangelist. And last week we were gone and he preached, I think, uh, shorter than uh, I've ever preached on a Wednesday night. And so tonight I'm trying to give you back some time and uh, we'll be mindful of the time. Uh, So stick around just with us a little bit here. But thank you to all of them for being here with us. And we love our CTK Church family. I'm so excited about all the things that are going on this weekend. A lot of good things going on. We are saddened by the passing of Sister Tammy Lettner's father, uh, Sister Chrissy Phillips' father. And uh, we know we'll be praying for them this weekend here at uh, the funeral this Saturday. If you are able to help, I know we have a lot of people out of town Uh, able and willing to help, you can reach out to us, myself, my wife personally, and just let us know if you're able to be here this weekend to help. Um, That would be wonderful. But let's get right back into our study here. And uh, you'll notice I've got a stack of books over here. I'm going to refer to some of them. And tonight we're we're going to touch on a couple of factors or topics that are going to come more uh, just some illustrative truths from books like these. There's a few others that I'm going to cite tonight that I have digitally, so I don't have physical copies yet, uh, or I've misplaced those physical copies. But most of these books here are written by uh, a secular viewpoint or a non-Christian viewpoint. There are a couple Christian books here. And they're very incredible. I don't expect you to read all of these. And tonight, uh, we're not going to come at it real academically. I'm just going to cite some things because we don't have a ton of time. But I do want to let you know that I'm not making this stuff up. That's the point. Uh, And I may refer to a couple of these that we're not making this stuff up. Um, 
And as you know, we are a, we thank God for the mediums of technology that we possess. It's because of that that we're able to come to you tonight and minister. So uh, we're not against technology. God's word is not against technology. God is not against technology. We thank God for all the wonderful things that have happened in this last season because of technology and the growth of the church and the growth of saints. Amen. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. But as we begin uh, uh, to pick up, just to pick up where we left off, the title of this series is Sheep Among Wolves, Navigating Media. And our text comes from Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, where Jesus tells his disciples, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And that is a very telling statement that Christ sends us as susceptible and vulnerable uh, uh, creatures into this world. And so the reason why he tells us this is because we were never designed to make it without Jesus Christ as our shepherd. Sheep are one of the unique uh, uh, creatures in the animal kingdom that have no defense mechanism other than running and scattering and sheep must have a shepherd to survive. It's one of the oldest, uh, uh, the oldest uh, practices of man being a shepherd and sheep cannot survive without a shepherd. So we see this uh, uh, all the way back in the old Testament. We see it as far back as human history reaches and Christ chooses to compare us to sheep without a shepherd. Sheep cannot, uh, they'll run out of resources. They are not smart enough on their own to make it. So sheep must have a shepherd. They must stay close to the shepherd. And as long as they do, they will have provision and they will have protection. So the Lord tells us, look, you are vulnerable. You are susceptible we need God. That's a powerful principle. That is more than a principle. It is a truth, a reality that we must understand. You and I cannot make it without the Lord. But he follows this statement by saying, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now we're sheep. But yet there is a measure of intentionality that must be exerted on our part. We must have wisdom. And of course, God gives us, he gives us the ability to have wisdom. He gives us precepts and directives and principles and commandments in his word. And these become uh, 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 the light unto our pathway, if you will. And then he tells us to be harmless, to be harmless, which lets us know that we can in Harm. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We are uh, overcomers, praise God. And if we're not careful, there is a power that is within us. We hold the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, a two-edged sword. We, we can harm. We can hurt. And so Christ, in, this, in one hand, is saying, you're vulnerable, you're susceptible, and you need a shepherd. And in the other hand, he's saying, but you must be intentional. You must have wisdom and you must also be harmless. So we looked at this and this is, I think our third time coming for, uh, 
coming to you with a, a social media or a media series, if you will, in the last uh, f- five and a half years or so. And so this time we want to look at four factors to consider. We've already looked at the sin factor, which basically is this, uh, uh, that there are worldviews in conflict with the believer and every believer should not uh, fall into alignment with that which is contrary to God, the ways of God, and the Word of God. So in your media use and in your entertainment, don't fall into alignment with that which is contrary to God. The second thing we looked at was the time factor and how we are to redeem our time. In uh, the book Biology, which uh, I have over here, uh, Biology, uh, The Truth and Lies About Why We Buy. It's a marketing book. It's very telling. And he says, by the time we reach age 66, most of us will have seen approximately 2 million television commercials. Time-wise, he says, that's the equivalent of watching eight hours of ads, seven hours a week for six years straight. Wow. So Paul encourages us to redeem the time because the days are evil. He says, we don't have much time. So I do think it is important. Does that mean you can never see a commercial? You can never watch something? No. But wow, isn't it amazing to think about? Here's a marketing person telling us, if you want six years of your life back, or I can extend your life by six years, then maybe you need to uh, think about where you're putting your priority. So we touched on the time factor a little bit as well. The next two factors, as I said, come from a majority of the thoughts come from some of these books, obviously in light of the word of God. The next factor I want to look at is the health factor. And I, uh, let me just first qualify this by saying I am not, um, a, um, uh, let's see, I'm looking for the word. I am not a licensed cyber psychologist. So I, I am just coming at the uh, mercy of what I am able to read from the experts. But there is a measure of common sense, a strong measure of common sense that would help us or, or, or uh, that we can leverage into our life. So as we continue, there is a health factor to be concerned about with media today, not just social media, but media and the mediums through which we digest media, all of those technologies. One of the most pronounced, I think, right now because of the pandemic that we are in is the isolation factor that media can bring to someone. Now, we've been in a lockdown. We've, we, we've had all kinds of uh, restrictions and positions, and we've had all kinds of uh, self-restrictions, let's say, with this. Uh, that many have imposed. And one thing we've realized is that we need human contact, that there is, uh, there is a depression that comes in isolation. You have to have human contact and there is no substitute for real human relationships, interactions. It's not a mistake that we've seen uh, suicide in the last year. 
uh, rise higher than ever before. The isolation factor, the lack of human contact is testified in many of these. There's a book I don't have here, but I've read called, uh, uh, titled Alone Together. And the subtitle is Why We Expect More from technology and less from each other. There were many people that were talking about how and even the title of her book says it, Alone Together. We are spending more time together than ever before, especially in this last year in this pandemic, uh, in our homes, more time than ever in proximity with, let's say, those that are closest to us, but yet the isolation and the lonely factor is higher than it's ever been as uh, ever been before because we are alone together. Look at this. This is the book Cyber Effect, which I have here. Cyber Effect, an expert in cyber psychology explains how technology is shaping our children, our behavior, and our value, values, and what we can do about it. That's the full title. But she makes this argument right at the very beginning. She says people behave differently when they are interacting with technology than they do in a face-to-face -face real world. She says new norms created online can migrate to real life. And so what happens in the virtual world affects the real world and vice versa. She talks about how our world is changing and how the increase of use of media and screens is having an effect on us. By the way, she's not a Christian. She would, she would be more probably agnostic in her uh, 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 declaration, I guess. I believe if, if memory serves me right, that's the case in that book. But she goes on and listen to what she says here. She says, the internet is omnipresent, always delivering rich, stimulating content. And that's, that's the optimum word there. All day, all night, always on. And then she goes through a series of what I would say is old stats. This book came out about uh, maybe three or four, uh, I think it was maybe four or five years ago now. Uh, she continues and says, the numbers of hours people spend on their phone is escalating rapidly. If she had only known what was going to happen in 2020 with the pandemic. She said, when you are checking your phone, here's her point. When you are checking your phone or spending time surfing the websites, we would throw in now all of the, the current social media uh, um, hot sites, TikTok, Instagram, whatever. She says you are effectively in a different environment. Literally, you have gone somewhere else. You are not present in the real world terms. This is both the uh, blessing and the curse of the technology right now. As I, as I am sharing this information with you, you are at home, you're in your car, you're somewhere, and you're joining this. Maybe you didn't catch this live and you're catching this after the fact. And as you tune in, now you are no longer present in your surroundings. You are now present here at CTK. You're tuned in. And while there can be a blessing in that for us as the church to come together, or how many of us have been blessed by a message or a sermon. You get on YouTube and you turn on a worship song or something, and man, it, it brings you right there. You're able to have church in that moment. It's an awesome blessing. But the curse on the other side is that 
more than ever, we find ourselves alone together. And the isolation factor is real because it's affecting marriages more than that. It's affecting parental relationships with their children and children's relationships with their parents. It is, it is having an effect upon us. And social media exaggerates the tensions and the normal human pressures that already exist, but now it just exaggerates those things. She says the, the, the internet gives you great promises, the shallows. Nicholas, uh, um, I, I think it's Nicholas here that writes, uh, Nicholas Carr, the glass cage and the shallows. He writes what the internet is doing to our brain. And he talks about how it is affecting us. Some people argue that it's dumbing down in many ways. Perhaps that's true, but uh, uh, whether they argue it's dumbing down or not, it is definitely changing us more than ever before. We are entering a new realm uh, in, in humanity that is defying all of history. It is changing us the way we think and the way we interact and with us as human beings as uh, humans as fallen creatures we need God more than ever before and if you don't have the spirit of the Lord if you're not living by the word if you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost guiding you and leading you what is happening in this world is only going to exaggerate and make it worse. So I propose to you that the internet is not evil, that technology in and itself is not evil, but it exaggerates what is already there. Right now in our current state, I think this is applicable to us right now. In our current pandemic, we are seeing COVID affect people. And while there are many people that are dying of COVID, most of all reports are telling us that for those that are healthy, you're going to get COVID, you're going to get over COVID, you're going to get through COVID. But where COVID becomes so... Uh, Dangerous is not that it's dangerous, but it will, it will exaggerate those underlying conditions, those conditions that are already there in the body. And so if you have sicknesses and cancers and other things that are already pre-existing in your body, COVID comes and now it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back. It in itself may or may not be destructive, but now the weight of that is too much for your body to handle. That's why the sick and the elderly are the most vulnerable. And that's where it becomes so destructive. Just as we are experiencing that now, for those that are healthy, they're saying, by and large, I know there's exceptions, and I know there's a whole lot that we don't yet understand, that, that they say we're still learning about the pandemic or, or this virus that is going on. But in this same way, social media and technologies and entertainments or, or uh, 
uh, different media that we take in. That in itself is not uh, going to kill us. But if we are unhealthy spiritually, I promise you this, it will exaggerate a weakness, a failure, a sin, a propensity uh, to selfishness, pride, addictions. If you're insecure, it is going to uh, uh, come in and destroy and make worse the pre-existing things in your life. So as a child of God, as a born again, filled with the spirit, baptized, Bible following, faith walking, God fearing, trusting individual, I don't have to be afraid of all of these things, but Paul says, let us walk circumspectly. That means be aware of what's going on. Don't just check your brain at the door and say, well, I don't have anything to worry about. No, know what's going on and know how all of this is affecting you. As we talked about, the social media exaggerates the tensions and normal human pressures. One of those is in comparison games. We're keeping up with one another. We've got to do this. And did you see what they did? Do you see what this did? I, I, I go back and read some, some things where when the telephone came out, when the telephone, we're talking about old technology now to this modern world. When the telephone came out, preachers back I don't know, a hundred plus years ago, started preaching against the telephone because it was nothing more than the gossip line. Well, the telephone didn't create the gossip. It was the human heart that created the gossip and brought all of that out. But there are things about technology that does change. Uh, it changed the way we interact. The more people engage in this visually, uh, the book Competing Spectacles just came out last year. Competing Spectacles, Treasuring Christ in the Media Age. He says this powerful statement at the beginning of his book. He says, in a consumer society, images are the language of transaction. We already talked about the eye being the window of the soul and the sin factor. But he says, images are the language of transaction. And images aim to provoke something in us in order, hear this, in order to get something from us. And so it's not that the technology is bad, but the people that are designing the technology are not designing the technology for your pleasure. They're designing the technology or they're capitalizing on the technology rather, the uh, and those discoveries for their own gain to build their own business and their own empires. And this is what he's saying. The images are the language of transaction and those images are aimed to provoke something in us in order to get something from us. So you never encounter or engage with technology that there's not an agenda behind it. Just like tonight in church, there's an agenda behind this exchange of technology. Yes. My purpose, my desire, this church's desire is that you would get closer to the Lord, yes. that you would walk with the Lord, that your eyes would be open, that maybe 
tonight, you could have an aha moment or a, a realization of, hey, there's some things that maybe I need to rearrange in my life to empower the Holy Ghost to its fullest extent in my life. Or maybe there's just some things straight up that I need to throw away, cut off, get rid of, and, and so, that, so that I'm not distracted from the Lord. One of the things about the health factor we're talking about is that there's a correlation between the more you use or more you're on technology, the more you're interacting with social media, the more you're interacting with entertainment and the depression factor. There's a direct correlation between that. You're less focused. You're more stressed. You're more, you're more depressed. You have a loss of meaning. You're devalued. In your own M, in your own eyes, in your own assessment, you you become addicted. The dopamine effect. Social media is created to to play on your addictive natures, the likes, the shares, the follows, all of those kinds of things. It it is literally designed to make you addictive. Uh, to want to want to interact more, to want to do more. And obviously now we know that they make all of their money. They make their money on sharing information, on selling to marketers. The book Biology talked about that at length. And then there's the dumbing down effect. There's a book, I can't remember the author's name. Uh, I think I referenced it previously, but the title is Brainwash in the sense that it's not brainwashed, but brainwash as in cleansing or detoxing your mind, starting over, getting fresh focus and reset and without fail. And, and if you found one of those books, there's, there's 50 different books like that that come out. It seems like every year you can go to Half Price Books and find a whole section that's full of them. And when you go to those in the last decade, almost without fail, every single one of them say, unplug the TV, put the phone down, get away from media, go out, get outside, go for a walk because of the effect that it has on you. They even go on and they talk about the physical toll, how it affects sleep and posture and other things. Let's not even get into that. Let's go straight to the emotional and the psychological health. Uh, the most unhealthy state of being and the most immature state of being is that of absolute selfishness. And this is what technology is designed to foster because it is how the technology is used against us. Remember I said, I quoted that book and he said, images are the language of transaction and those images aim, aim to provoke something in us in order to get something from us. This is an incredible book, very simple book written by a Christian uh, uh publisher, or Moody Publishers, and there are five lies. It's got, it's, it's a short book, but I, I would encourage it. It's called Screens and Teens Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. Five lies of technology. Here are the five lies of technology. Number one, it's I am the center of my own universe. Social media lies to us and makes us believe that we are the center of our own universe. Number two, <laughs> this is a big lie. I deserve to be happy all the time. I, I've got sad news for you. God never promised that you were going to be happy all the time, but he promised that he would be with you 
all the time. It's in that trouble. It's in that trial. It's in that pain. It's in that suffering that we learn, amen, that Jesus is our shepherd, that he is more than enough. And thank God he gave us our pleasure centers in our brain so that we can enjoy things, but we do not deserve to be happy all the time. Happiness is not, amen, the thing that we should chase after. If you chase after, he says, uh, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So you seek after your own pleasure, you're going to lose your life. And, 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 and I could go on with scripture. That's a lie number two. Lie three, I must have my own choices. I must have my own choices. I have to choose. Well, let me tell you, life is not as much about what happens to you as it is what you do with what happens to you. And you don't, the biggest choice in this, in your entire existence, you didn't have, or the, or the biggest fact of your entire existence, you didn't have a choice over. And that was when you were born, when you were born, how you were born, who you were born to, what you look like, how tall you are, how much hair you're going to lose, how soon you're going to lose it. You know, how straight your teeth are going to be. You, you don't control all of those things. And when you get this lie that I ought to have my own choices, no, that there's so much good stuff in here. Lie four, I am my own authority. I remember one friend told me, I'm sick and tired. This, I'm not making this up. A friend of mine I was growing up with said, I'm sick and tired of telling everybody what to do. And he said, so I'm going and joining the military. <laughs> I don't think that worked out too well for him. Lie number five, information is all I need, so I don't need teachers. Let me be the first to tell you. Just because you watch a video on YouTube, that does not mean that you are going to be able to do it. You may have to figure it out, but there is something powerful when somebody comes along and can help you and teach you. You do need teachers. The book Thrilled to Death, how the endless pursuit of pleasure is leaving us numb by Dr. Archibald Hart, a good friend of mine. Uh, was his student. He, he's written some incredible books out of Fuller. I think he's at Fuller Seminary. This was published by Thomas Nelson. This is an incredible book, Thrilled to Death, How the Endless Pursuit of Pleasure is Leaving Us Numb. He basically explains, and I won't talk about this, don't have time, explains why we as the richest, most advanced people in the history of the world are less satisfied than ever before. And the whole point is that we're looking in the wrong places. You, you will not find any more greater pleasure than in giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Take up your cross and follow me. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. You won't find it by trying to satisfy your life. It's not, thank God, we, sometimes you need a break, you need a, you need a vacation, you need rest. But what you need is rest. What you need is refreshing. And that refreshing and that rest does not come from just an indulgent nature. An indulgent nature that says, well, it's just got to be about me, 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 me. That, that will leave you more worn out than ever, ever before. Book, uh, let, me, let me recommend this next book, and I don't have a physical copy of this, but this is another one that I would highly recommend. I'd probably put this at one of the top of our list because I think it, it's so relevant to us today. 12 Ways Our Phones Are Changing Us. 
12 Ways Our Phones Are Changing Us. This is an incredible book, um, cheap book, but let me read off the 12 things. Here's the 12 things. We are addicted to distraction. Wow, we can think about this. We are addicted to distraction. We ignore our flesh and blood. We get so tuned in that we ignore our actual flesh and blood. We crave immediate approval. We lose our literacy. We feed on the produced. Think about this. We feed on the produced, a.k.a. the fake. We, we live with this measure of a false image. There, there's tons of books. I, my goodness, I could think of a few other books my wife has read and referenced and used, but the comparison factor, girls living, trying to live up to all of these photoshopped images and what's that's inducing. We feed on the produced. It's not reality, folks. Come on, we all do it. We take a picture of our home and you only have a sliver of that shot that you post on Facebook, on Instagram. And if we could have a 360 broad view, we would smell the burnt supper. We'd see the pile of dirty clothes next to the pile of clean clothes. But that one sliver, don't y'all look at me like I'm the only one that, you know how it is. We feed on the produced. We become like what we like. Wow. We become like what we like. That's talking about what we tend to, what we like, what you like in entertainment, what you like on social media, what you gravitate to. We become like what we like. 12 ways our phones are changing us. He said, we get lonely. We get lonely. Isn't that crazy? We have more access to people than ever before, and yet with this device, we get lonely. He goes on next. We get comfortable in secret vices. We get comfortable in secret vices. Think about this. In days past and times past, men and or women had to sneak out. They had to find a way, their, their, their time. They had, to, they had to make excuses to get away, to go sneak into a place of ill repute, to go in there, to partake in something that wasn't acceptable. It was always put behind, you know, closed doors. You'd have to go find that. But now... On our phone, we can enter into something. We don't even have to distance ourselves from our spouse or our children or leave our home. But you can enter into something. Before, man, was it worth it? Was it really worth it leaving your family and your house to go travel down the road to risk, to go into a place? Well, now you can do this all in the comfort of your own home. We, and I'm talking about sexual immorality, we lose meaning. He says we lose our own meaning. We forget what we're, our worth is. Your worth, I'm going to tell you, your worth is worth more than how many likes you get on a social media post. Your worth is worth more than that. And we get, we, we succumb to that. We fear we're missing out. And so we, we, we indulge the, uh, uh, my mind's going blank here where we just binge watch certain things. I can't miss out. Can't miss out. Can't miss out. And all the while, you're afraid of missing out on this. So we constantly got to check. I can't even remember now what the count is, how many times we check our phones. I hate myself for it. You do too. And 
we, our phones constantly there, constantly there. Got to check our phones, got to check our phones. And there's a lot of times if, if I don't text you right back, I hope you don't get offended. Some people say, well, people are text me right back. I know everybody has their phone on them. Yeah. And I say, no, thank you. No, I don't always. Sometimes I set my phone down and I walk away. Yeah. I leave my phone in the office. I do, you know, to, to have a real, go for a walk, leave your phone at home. People say, no, how can you do that? I might miss something. That's the fear of missing out. We become harsh to one another. It makes us more harsh when we say something. If we're going to say something and it hurts somebody or defends somebody when we're in face-to-face, we can read their body language. We can know, and, and, and so we can compensate. Well, well, I didn't mean it that way, or I didn't mean this, but on social media, on text and email, you don't know how something goes across and how something could be received, how something could be taken. We get offended a lot more easier. And then finally, we lose our place in time. He's saying the same thing that Mary Aiken says in Cyber Effect. She says, we are no longer present. We go somewhere else. These are the health factors. It has an impact on us. It has an impact on our psyche. It has an impact on our emotion. It has an impact on our health. Let's go next to the safety factor. And I've got to run through this one pretty quick. The safety factor, largely this would come from the book, The Cyber Effect. And this is the first cyber, uh, cyber psychologist that has been in America. She came from the UK, went to LA, worked on the police force there. And then she writes this book, an incredible book, The Cyber Effect. And basically the premise of this is you read some of these things, and I would encourage everybody to read these, especially the non-Christian ones, because sometimes they are so dark and depressing because these are people, secularists, without a hope. And they see no hope in the future of where the world is heading. That is one thing that is shocking about this. I'll never forget going to a, a, a live briefing and uh, Q&A with George Tenet, the former director of the CIA under the uh, Bush and Obama years, and he retired. And uh, or I think it was Clinton in Bush years. And then when he retired, he traveled doing some speaking engagements. And I think he wrote some books and stuff like that, but went and heard him. And he gave a discussion for about 30 minutes. And then he opened live Q&A to the audience. It was at Butler University there in Indianapolis. And at the end, he basically said, I don't, he said, I'm afraid of what the world is going to be like that my grandchildren are going to live in. He says, I don't want to be around very much longer because of where the world's heading. You read these books and that's where, that's where they ultimately end up because of how much it's going. I'm thankful that while I can read this book, (laughs) I've also read this book. And I know that we do have a hope, that there is a faith, that there is a promise, that we are not left, amen, without hope. We don't despair. We don't sorrow as other people sorrow, amen, because we know that there is a life, amen, beyond this life, and that there is going to be a day where God comes back and reigns in justice and mercy, and uh, he's going to reign in truth, and everything, the score is going to be settled, and the Lord is going to be victorious. Praise God. But basically getting back to the safety factor, this is where predators, social media, online, the internet, different kinds of things are predators, biggest hangouts. Yes, they'll, they'll, you still have to worry about sending your child out and sending them down and all of that other stuff. You've got to worry about those kind of things sometimes in certain places. 
But we have a natural fear. And here in St. Louis last year, unfortunately, our crime in the St. Louis metro area was higher than it had been in the last 50 years. The tragic implication of that have touched even people within our own congregation. How sad that is. There will be places where when we're out and about, we're going to be mindful. We're going to be, we're going to be wise. We're going to lock our homes. We're going to lock our cars. We're going to be careful. Everywhere you go now, you pull into the parking lot, there's a sign. Do not leave any valuables in your, in your car. Do not leave any valuables in your vehicle. And while we take caution of where we go in the physical, It is foolish for us to throw caution to the wind on where we go in the virtual. Because this is where Predator's biggest hangout is. On games, they prey on socials, in chats. The concept of, you think of the mediums of technology we have today of disappearing videos and things that, not only that, the bullying, the cyber bullying and all these things that are raging today and people are screaming about it. Non-Christian people are talking about the the vulnerabilities of this. In this book, Cyber Effect, frankly, she says, minors don't belong. This is not a Christian. Minors don't belong, period. And she she goes so drastic to say she proposed that any child two and under should never even see a screen, she says, for how it affects them and their ability to learn and their ability to engage socially. And she says after two years of age, they should only then uh, be closely guarded what they are allowed to see. Folks, this is not some obscure person that published this book. This is the leading, one of the leading cyber psychologists in the world today that people uh, in the secular world are, are paying attention to. And unfortunately, not everybody's reading this trying to learn how to navigate and keep their family safe, but they're reading it, trying to learn and know even more how to exploit people for their own benefit. And that includes exploiting children and exploiting minors. You would not turn your children over just to anybody. Why would you turn them over to media? So hear me as your pastor. Uh, you, You may think I'm foolish and that's okay, but be careful Because you have a responsibility to God to give an account, and you have a responsibility to your children. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, there's a lot of people whose children won't obey them. (laughs) And they say, well, frankly, I'm not going to obey my parents. Well, and I know children aren't watching today. Maybe some of our young children are, but maybe our our youth are all on the Zoom. But children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children, you have a responsibility to obey your parents. And your parents are going to tell you things that you don't understand, that you don't think is fair, that you don't think is right. But your parents have to give an account. And they're not going to let you go certain places because they don't feel that you you are uh, uh, in a place where it would be safe yet for you. That day will come. Give patience. That day will come. But children should obey their parents. And then he says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. But then go to Ephesians 6 and 4, and he goes on after he says that, and he says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Can I tell our fathers? 
fathers, you have a responsibility to have a voice in your home, a voice in your family, and a voice among your children. Even when your children leave the home, you are still their father, and you still should nurture them and, and present the admonition of the Lord in their life. But what does he say? Provoke not your children to wrath. Don't find out later on that your child fell prey to something that you could have helped keep them from. Now, ultimately, every person has to give an account before the Lord. But you need to know where your children are. You would know where your children are at all times. In fact, people say, well, the reason why I have to give my child a phone a young person, a phone is because I need to know where they're at. I need to be able to reach them. Well, in that same manner, I understand that, that thinking I've got a, a son that's rapidly growing uh, as well. And we're going to be navigating those waters very soon, but I understand that thinking, but let me encourage you then to extend that thinking. Not only should you know where your children are and be able to connect with them or communicate with them, you should know where they are virtually. You should know where they are virtually. So you're not going to send your kids. Uh, uh, you would not take your kids and take them down to East St. Louis and send your children out there into a strip club club and leave them alone. And yet parents will take a device and they'll give an, uh, an unrestricted device wide open with all kinds of stuff with no filters on it to a child and leave them alone and hope that they don't discover something. Well, I'm going to tell you, children are curious. Ch children are, are, have a desire to learn and children are changing. And as they discover things, you have a responsibility of your own home. So let me strengthen the arm of the father and the mother. Uh, I told somebody recently, your job is to raise your child in the fear of the Lord. You have a limited number of years. And then after that, they're going to do what they're going to do. And they're going to choose, they're going to choose their own thing. And after that, you can't do anything about it. Your child's job is to try to derail you for 18 years while you're doing that. That's your child's job. They're going to say no. They're going to say, I don't like it. They're going to, do, they're going to buck the system every way. I don't think any child's ever gotten to 10 or 12 or 14 and said, okay, I get it. I'm going to do it. No, they're going to challenge. They're going to learn. And, and that's how they learn. And you in love are constantly going to be protecting them. So know where your children are. Know where your children are virtually. People say, well, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's fair. Okay. Well, we're dealing with issues with children that aren't even in the, the, the tragic things of what children are discovering, getting involved in, and getting exploited. Too often are children that are not even in youth group age yet. So we're talking about minors that are exposed to pornography that are, they don't even know what they're doing and they're sharing inappropriate photos back and forth, uh, uh, doing certain things, video games that parents go, Hey, I'm going to go, you can go down to Walmart here and you think, Oh, you wouldn't be able to do that, but you'd go to Walmart and you can buy a video game that is going to be the equivalent of an X rated right now at this Walmart X rated movies. You would not sit your children down in front of that, but yet 
Too often, kids are interacting. I'm going to tell you, you ought to know where your kids are. You ought to know when they go to someone's house, what are you doing? What, what are you a part of? What are you watching? What are you playing? Have their passwords. You want to put them on social media? That's fine. But would you throw them out there by themselves? I remember, anybody remember the days when you had one phone in the house? Yes. And when I wanted to call my girlfriend, I had to go stand in the middle of the kitchen. And there's my mom making supper. My sister's over there doing homework. And I'm right there. And, and I'm going to tell you, that impacts what you say and what the conversation is going on. Well, now, now that the whole world has changed. And so we have to think about that. We have to be, as adults, we have to be aware. We have to be aware of the accountability, not only for our children, but for ourselves as well. Men and women have been taken advantage of. I've got to hasten on. There's a book here. Uh, it is a shocking book and irreversible damage the transgender craze seducing our daughters abigail schreier if i'm saying that right and she's a uh contributor i think it's to the wall street journal uh weekly contributor to the wall street journal but this is a shocking telling book that just came out in 2020. And she talks about the effects of social media without fail in the studies. She says that media played a massive role in gender confusion among girls. Media, nine hours a day is the average amount of time that uh, today's teenagers spend on media, nine hours a day. And that's not classroom time. That's not uh, a virtual school time, nine hours a day. I'm going to tell you, you better be careful where you, where you allow your children to go and know what's going on. What happens is as girls grow up, uh, uh, for instance, she explains girls' body changes, and as their body is changing, their body is going through changes, but they still think boys uh, have cooties and all of this stuff, and they're, they're, they're navigating such a critical, pivotal, pivotal time in their life, and they, they spend all this time online, and there are predators and people there that interpret their feelings, and so she talks about the disappearance of tomboys. There's no tomboys anymore. Back in the day, used to be tomboys. A girl who just enjoyed doing some things in shop, playing games, whatever else. But she was still very much a girl and very much a woman. Culture supported that. She says there's, there are no more anymore. Uh, girls are immediately taught and conditioned to think that, well, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm trans. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not what I, maybe I was born the wrong Sex and all of this confusion comes in. And I'm going to tell you be careful what you surrender your youth to. Don't expect two hours or an hour Sunday school on Sunday morning and an hour on Wednesday night to be able to undo hours upon hours upon hours of other things that we're allowing to come into our life. So, Pastor, this is heavy. Well, I'm here to give you some faith. There is a Bible solution. And we, as I said, born-again Christians don't have to be afraid of this. But it's when you're weak in your faith that you become vulnerable when you're not wise, when you get away from the shepherd, that you become vulnerable. The Bible solution is for us to be accountable. We are to be accountable. 
one to another. Be accountable. Spout, uh, if you're married, be accountable to your spouse. My wife knows where I'm at at all times. Be accountable to your spouse. Know what's going on. Share that accountability. Be accountable. You're accountable to your family. Be accountable to spiritual leadership. Be accountable to your church. There are great God-fearing people at this church that keep themselves accountable to me. Pastor, I failed. I had, I had an issue. I had some situation. And so I want to get through this, but I want you to keep me accountable. There's, there's strength in accountability. And, and children, the Bible teaches, are accountable to their parents, but parents are held accountable to God. So if you, if you walk out of here tonight and you say, hey, I think all that stuff pastor was saying was hogwash and I'm not going to listen to any of that and I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to say, that's all right. You're not going to offend me. I'm going to go home and I'm going to, I'm going to sleep good and I'm going to sleep fine. But you are accountable to God for the parameters that you establish in your life. Hallelujah. But we can be encouraged. Amen. That if we will do the things God says, we can retain the blessings that God has promised to us. And those blessings are blessings of peace and joy and faith. Amen. And love and hope. I want to close out with this. Let's go to Philippians chapter number four. And we, we talked about this in the beginning. Remember our text is your sheep among wolves. So you're susceptible, you're vulnerable, but you were never intended to be without the shepherd. You need the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. However, we must be wise. We must be harmless. So it's not only what we take in. It's not only what we like, what we ingest. It's how we use media to interact with one another. We must be harmless. But then look at this. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, we've quoted this verse so many times. This is the keystone verse for media. Paul says this, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. Look at this. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Let these things be the things that go through your mind. Now we know that, okay? So we've talked about that. We've, we've discussed that at length. But go back one verse prior and look at what he says. In verse 7, he says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So Paul is telling us that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keeps our hearts and minds. He's talking about the peace of God that we have, praise God, that helps us, keeps our hearts and our minds. And it's in that context that Paul admonishes us. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you think about. Yes. Be careful what you allow to come into your life, because what you allow your own life to meditate upon has a direct impact to how much peace you retain in your life. What I'm telling you is don't undo the peace God's given you. Don't undo the joy God's given you. Don't undo the love and the hope God's given you with stuff that does not qualify According to the word of God 
for us to meditate upon and to think upon. Don't undo all the blessings God gave you at Revival, all the times you prayed through, all the times you've read in the Word by letting garbage and junk and stuff get into your life. That's why I encourage somebody all the time, turn the news off. We live in a day of 24-7 news. I got news for you. Tomorrow, the news is going to be negative. And one, one preacher said this, lock me in a dungeon, give me a Bible and a pen, shut me away in a dark place. And he said, I can read the Word of God and I can tell you everything that's going on in the world. Do I really need to know? I mean, I, I stay in touch. I, I like to stay plugged in. I, I, I listen to things. I read the paper still. Um, I, I like all that stuff, but I don't let it be a steady diet. I don't need to know it minute by minute. I'll wait. Let it happen. I'll read. To, we don't know what's going on. People reporting, they don't even know what's going on. It takes time for everybody to vet the fullness of the story. You put the news off and get into the Word of God. Turn the despairs off of the day and turn the hope, turn the peace back on in your life. Amen, amen, amen. So we are sheep among wolves, but we're navigating media. And I believe that God's going to give us strength and God's going to give us help. Amen. That's why you need to be in the Word of God. That's why you need to be reading the Word of God. So I gave you all this stuff. You don't have to read this. Amen. If you want to check me on it, you can go back and you can read all these. I cited all these books. You can go back. But my admonition to you is get in the word of God. Spend more time with the word of God. Amen. Somebody say amen. 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 Well, I went longer than Brother Kendall last week. So for that, I can't apologize too much, but we love Brother Kendall. We have a lot of fun. Amen. Thank you for being here with us tonight. Thank you for joining us online. Hope this has been a blessing. I want to encourage somebody. Amen. Thank you for taking time on your Wednesday night. Pray that you are staying safe. Pray that you are staying warm. Amen. Pray that you're blessed. Amen. Pray for the Letner family. Pray for our quizzers this weekend. And Lord willing, we look forward to seeing you back here Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thank you for joining us tonight. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.